little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sitting way up high. Cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on a night moves Hello and welcome to the Tuesday quarterback edition of the Gridiron Podcast. I'm your host and Commissioner Huck Breeze here to review a roller coaster of a week three in the Gridiron Fantasy League. This week was quite morbid. We saw more injuries this week than any other week of football, as far as I can remember. Although injuries are implied in the game of football, to see so many in such a short time is alarming, to say the least. It is never, ever a positive for injuries to occur, but from a fantasy standpoint, if your team caught the injury bug, this is the time where you have to get creative with your lineups. Usually this time doesn't come until at least Halloween, when you're trying to balance bye weeks and the wear and tear of the season. Whether it comes through trade, waiver wire, or the reserves that you've already assembled, it is time to buckle down and do your best to put together some winning squads, because if we can't, a whole year of shame and disappointment awaits. On a more positive note, Scores were up on an average across the league as we saw two more Gridiron members clear the 200-point mark. As I noted last night during Monday Night Football, our league saw the 200 mark reached only seven times throughout the entirety of the 2019 season. We are on pace to pass the 200-point plateau 20 times this year. On the contrary, no member has failed to reach the 100 mark, which is odd in itself. Earlier this week, a member of the Gridiron expressed regret on a scoring change we made in the offseason. Giving a boost to wide receivers, as it was argued, gives less relevance to a more deserving position, the running back. With help from Neil, one of the few statisticians we have in the league, I wanted to analyze this from a statistical perspective. From 2017 to 2019, running backs were scoring on an average of 12.1 points a game. In 2020 thus far, the running back average is 13.76, a 14% increase. From 2017 to 2019, tight ends scored an average of 6.8 points per game. In 2020 thus far, tight ends have scored 9.6 points per game, a 40.39% increase. From 2017 to 2019, wide receivers scored an average of 9.18 points a game. In 2020 thus far, wide receivers have scored 11.51 points per game, a 25.35% increase. The argument that wide receivers have overtaken running backs in importance is in fact false. Although I can see how you could see that on the surface, the purpose of this rule change was not to give wide receivers the power to win the league on their own, but rather to add them to a relevancy conversation with running backs. If you look by the numbers, wide receivers with the increase still do not score, on average, what the running back point totals were from 2017 to 2019. 
which was prior to the point increase. I realize this is a small sample size, but the concern of the rule change was shaped by that very same sample size. If we were trying to organize a monarchy equivalent to a fancy lineup where QB is by far the king, you would have to conclude that the running back is still clearly the queen. All right, let's get into kudos for karma. I'll start with Eternal Touchdown. Kudos to Eternal Touchdown. Your team was a tad hobbled this week, to say the least, but you still put, pulled together to 122 points. A lot of these points are credited to a great kicking performance by Blankenship, as he carried the Colts on his back single-handedly to victory this week. Looking ahead, you may have Kittle return, Godwin return, and greet a few new faces in Fitzmagic and Daryl Henderson. Your team looks formidable heading into week three. I know week two was bleak for you, but Eternal Touchdown, by definition, never ends. So kudos to Eternal Touchdown. Kudos to Fupaslayer. Two weeks in a row you have underperformed, but you're still in good spirits. You traded for DeAndre Hopkins this past week, and he played as advertised, taking down eight catches for 68 yards and a score. You also snaked a backup QB from an Eternal Touchdown, Nick Mullins, which if nothing else, will provide QB depth for the week to come. So kudos to Fubaslayer. Kudos to Unicycle Polar Bears. A big trade piece for you was the lone uh, bright spot for his team, and that was Dalvin Cook. Rarely is having points on the bench a positive, but at least you know you have found a productive tight end in Hickby, as well as a serviceable running back 2-3 in Jarek McKinnon. With a few lineup tweaks, week 3 will definitely prove to be better than it was this week. So kudos to Unicycle Polar Bears. Kudos to Ulysses S. Grant. In a week where it seems every team got hit by injuries, you accumulated none. Your week three squad will be just as fresh, if not more fresh, in week three. If Henry Huggs can heal up that ankle, it'll be even more so. You were correct in saying that your loss was based on game flow as both of your QBs face bad teams and seem to play with a lead, and both running backs play from behind. Not every week will be like this, so head up and onward to week three. Kudos to Ulysses S. Grant. Kudos to Rumham. It is not often that people are intrigued by another team's kicker, but I'm sure I wasn't the only one who wished he had Harrison Butthurt on my team after he made 53, 58, 58 all in succession under heavy pressure. It's very impressive. Your running back also proves that they are a strong suit for you with the emergence of James Robinson as a solid running back too and the return of James Conner from what looked like the doghouse. Thank God they left the light on for him. Kudos to Rumham. Kudos to Camacho. Josh Allen dropped the first burger of the year and boy was it juicy. After dismantling the Jets and the Miami defenses in succession, he looks like a surefire QB1. Don't listen to the critics that say, Psh, it was the Jets and Miami. Two terrible defenses. As the schedule dictates, he gets to play below average pass defenses in four of his next five games with the Raiders, Chiefs, Titans, and Jets again. So kudos to Camacho. Kudos to Poopy2. Getting the first win of 2020 feels great, especially when your defense has the best fantasy performance of the year thus far. 61 defensive points all but guarantees you win as long as your offense can do decent. And Jared Goff did way more than that, scoring 31.65. Any thought of him not being successful after that clunker to start the season 
can be put to bed. Kudos to Poopy Two. Kudos to Disco Lemonade. You also got your first win on the back of two fantastic QB performances. Minch Two has put up back-to-back 20-plus point performances and is a much-watched television. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten to see a whole game from this guy, as Red Zone only shows us glimpses. But in 48 hours, you'll get to see every pass, every TD, and every ridiculous mustache shot in all its glory. So kudos to Disco Lemonade. Kudos to Dad. Joe Burrow looked like all like he is worth the price you paid for him on Thursday night, scoring 30.7 points. If Rodgers, Burrow, Kamara, and Taylor can play up to the level that I think they can, you have a playoff team that's locked in and dangerous one at that. Congrats on your first win. Kudos to Dad. Kudos to Suck My Vic. You lost another high-scoring matchup as Dak put up an Angus Burger on Sunday. Although sometimes fantasy football is just cruel, you can hang your head on having the highest QB overall totals for the first two weeks. In addition to Cam and Dak commanding their offenses, you have five wide receivers who are startable on a week-to-week basis. You're headed in the right direction. Kudos to Suck My Vic. Kudos to Darth Scott. From worse to well, better. 215 points is the most you've scored since week 10 of last year when you scored 236. Some of the pickups that we all scoffed at, Fort, Poole, Crosby, Davis, Gage, played great and really carried you to the win. If there was a fantasy manager of the week award, you would for sure get it, making those who picked you in a league pick them look very smart. Kudos to Darth Scott. Kudos to the maestro. There's not much I can say about this team. Getting double-digit points from every player on your team minus four defensive guys is quite the week. The only team that could have beat you this week in the history of the gridiron was yourself in 2018. You have the top-ranked player in every positional category except for wide receiver. I don't think anything could be going better for you this year, as Trade talks have proven you don't need to change a thing going into week three. So kudos to Maestro. A few notes I wanted to get into prior to saying goodbye this week. In 2019, Melvin Gordon held out for the first two weeks of the season and was still a six-round pick in our league because of the prowess he possessed as the starting running back for the Chargers. Enter 2020, and although there are some obviously new faces, the general roster structure for the Chargers and offensive strategy stays the same. In the position that was once Melvin Gordon's, Joshua Kelly has gotten 35 carries, the exact total that has been given to the counterpart, Austin Eckler. Yet Kelly remains a free agent in our league. Everyone talks about the best one-two punch in football being the Chubb-Hunt combo in Cleveland, and this combination may not be at that level now. But in the years to come, I think we'll be singing the praises of the thunder and lightning of Kelly and Eckler for the Bolts in L.A. Through two weeks, we have seen a number of trades, but on a week where we saw two QBs go down and one get outplayed by his rookie backup in a freak start, we see an early reach for QB3s. The four QBs that were taken in the draft as QB3s were Fitzpatrick, Tua, Haskins, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert, and Mitchell Trubisky. In the past week, we have seen both Fitzpatrick and Herbert be flipped as part of patches for A.J. Brown and Michael Thomas. 
The third quarterback to some is seen only as a bi-week filler, but to some is a stock option with unlimited value. As long as a QB stays healthy and is the starter, his stats do not matter, as he will be worth something to someone. The snaking of backup QBs due to injury or ineffectiveness sometimes makes people scoff at our league, but it has become a staple of the gridiron's identity. One thing to remember, just like stock options, when the bye weeks expire, so does the value for the said third quarterback. That's all I have for you this week, folks. Tune in again on Thursday when I'll be joined, as always, by Scott Shettig to go over our matchup picks for the upcoming week. See ya! Felt the lightning, yeah. Waited on the thunder. night to the sound of thunder how far off I sat and wondered started humming a song from 1962 and funny how the night moves when you just don't seem to have as much to lose strange how the night moves With autumn closing in